and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about spring cheatgrass control, especially in wheat. But we'll get into other crops a little bit as well. If you've got any questions for us today, you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email radio at agphd.com. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to encourage you to get pre-emerge herbicides out in any crop that there is. If you have weed issues at all, when you start with a good pre-emerge product, then your weed population is so much thinner later on, it's just a lot easier to control. So whether it's our topic today, cheatgrass, or it's anything, it's water hemp, it's kochia, lamb's quarters, mare's tail, I don't care what we're talking about. If you don't get a pre-emerge herbicide out there, then you lose potentially modes of action. You definitely lose certain products that can't be sprayed post-emerge. And unfortunately, then that usually means worse weed control. And sometimes it means spending a lot more money to get even adequate weed control. So ultimately, what we're always trying to help you do is gain more yield without necessarily spending more money so you can make more total net income. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right. Uh, we get a lot of questions that have come into the mailbag today. And if you have an agronomic question for us, you can, of course, call us 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got an email here from Randy over in Wisconsin. And Randy said, while driving around, I see a lot of marginal land next to planted land with tree seedlings so inexpensive. Why not plant a tree line? Well, look, we live in a free society, mostly free society here in the United States. And so if you want to put a tree belt in, you certainly can. But I, I, I mean, I, 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 I guess there are a lot of reasons not to put trees in. And there certainly are a lot of reasons to put trees in. So that's really an individual decision. Hey, one thing uh, Randy said, too, he goes, uh, just a FYI for protecting gardens from deer one thing that that he's been doing is using garlic oil he said i'm mixing up 10 percent garlic oil 90 percent water the garlic contains sulfur and the mixture smells for a day or so but that smell goes away but the sulfur stays on the leaves and when deer take one little nibble of that that's the last one that they take they don't really like that taste uh, that's interesting and, and something that, that certainly could be done and doesn't cost a whole lot of money. A lot of different recipes people have trying to keep deer out of things. I, I know we talked a lot about uh, Kevin Matthews over in North Carolina said hot sauce. He he put hot sauce around the outside and that, that kept him off. But um, always interesting trying to, to deal with all the wildlife that we've got out there. Hey, thanks for the, the question and the feedback, Randy. Really appreciate that. I got this one from Albert. He's up in Manitoba. And he said, I'm looking for ways to, to get high yields and make the best use of fertilizer. And I've read micronutrient deficiencies may be impacting yield in our area more than the macronutrients. So I'm wondering if micros like zinc and even secondary nutrients like magnesium are worth, worth the effort. I'm wondering, could I include those in my liquid fertilizer blend that I'm putting on with a two-shank single-pass seeding system? Can you put them on? Yes. Are they hurting your yield? Really hard to say. We'd have to look at your soil tests. If you'd like to send us soil tests at any point, you certainly can. 
we'd be happy to take those radio at agphd.com. Now, I will say it's it's often when we hear things like that, but what we still find is, you know what, you every year have to manage NPNK, but you also may need a micronutrient or two, or to your point, a secondary nutrient. We're pretty lucky through most of the Midwestern United States and up into Southern Canada. There's a fair amount of montmorillonite clay, and one of the base materials in that is magnesium. So we usually don't have magnesium deficiencies. Not to say that you can't, but it, it it's less likely, at least in your region. But again, I don't know what your specific soil type is. Manitoba is a big place, so I certainly can't speak for the entire province. All right, got uh, uh, several questions in here from Bradley, but we'll uh, we'll just take them one at a time. Uh, he said, first of all, guys, I'm looking at running either Authority XL or Valor XLT in an early soybean pre pre burndown along with Roundup and 2,4-D for water hemp control before they Wait, germinate. L- let me ask you this. Where is he from? Doesn't say. Okay, because that makes an enormous difference. If you're from the Midwest, we're not going to recommend either of those products because they contain classic and carryover potential is serious for corn the following year. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, the other question is how early is that burn down going to happen? He <laughs> says uh, he's also considering running Zidua Pro with Metribuzin uh, and do that a month after these. Wait, rec- what, what, these what are we trying to kill here? He is looking at water hemp control. Yeah, so don't waste your money on Zidua Pro. Um, so you're you're not going to get out of that what you what you would like because Pursuit isn't going to take any of the the water hemp, not going to kill any, and the Sharpen is only going to kill. Yeah, basically, so it's a burn down product be, basically, really and then all be, you have is a Group 15. Yeah, and so and, you know, talking about the Authority XL and the Valor XLT, both of those have a bunch of classic in them, right? Which um, does no good on here, water hemp. Here's the other thing, though, when you're comparing those products, Brian, and let me throw this at you. So the standard rate on Authority XL, a lot of guys talk about running four ounces. Well, they've got Spartan at nearly six ounces, which is the highest yep. Spartan rate in any of the Authority premixes. So that's good. It's got a really good, strong rate of the Spartan. Well, well it all However, depends on what it's rate got of an, that you use. It's got an ounce and a quarter of Classic in it. Way too the, much. The Valor XLT at three ounces has that ounce and a quarter of Classic in it, but it only okay. has 1.76 ounces of Valor. Right. Okay. Either way. You're, you're spending money on things you don't need to spend money on. On Zidua Pro, you got two of the three components you're wasting your money on. And on the Authority XL and the Valor XLT, you got Classic in there, which you're wasting your money on. So that's why we talk about, hey, if water hemp's your target, that's where we talk this three pre thing all the time. Use Metribuzin, use either Valor or Authority or Spartan, same thing as Authority, and then a yellow. So now you've got three effective modes of action on water hemp instead of one or maybe two you got three, and you're spending similar money to what Zidual Pro would cost and some of these others. Well, speaking of target weeds, one of the worst target weeds in wheat is cheatgrass. We'll talk about that coming up next. Soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broadleaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s metolachlor and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail. In addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass, ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? 
If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Oh man, we are so excited today to talk about cheatgrass. It's a problem weed in wheat that, man, can it rob yield. And it's it's just difficult to get under control. There aren't very many choices and seemingly less choices every year to, to get it under control. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking about cheatgrass in the spring on today's show. And I think that spring qualifier brand, so often when we're talking about weed control. We say, man, if you could have just done it in the fall, that would have been a great time to do it because anything that's a winter annual, if we can get it in the fall, it's so much easier to get under control. Yep, I agree. It's the same discussion we have with, I don't care if it's pennycress or henbit or mare's tails, a really big one, but in wheat country, it's cheatgrass. Now, we still call it cheatgrass quite often, but specifically, we're talking about downy brome here. So much more of a problem in winter wheat, but still can be a problem in spring wheat. So there are some differentiations there, and we'll, we'll get to that as we go through the show today. But we just can't stress this to you enough. If you can get out there in the fall and do something, do anything, that usually is very helpful when you come to spring. The other big thing that's helpful is crop rotation. If you're wheat on wheat on wheat on wheat... This is a lot tougher to manage than if you've got some broadleaf crop in there. Most In most broadleaf crops, there are really good grass killers that are very inexpensive. So, for example, in soybeans, there's clethodim. And clethodim is labeled in a number of other broadleaf crops as well. So it's pretty awesome when you can go out there and for just a few dollars an acre, you can kill pretty much any grass. And it allows you to hit that grass multiple times even for not very much money. So that really makes a difference if you can get the broadleaf into the rotation. All right, let's talk to Kirk Sager here with FMC. He's out in the Pacific Northwest and certainly has seen his share of weed control challenges in wheat. Kirk, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on again today, gentlemen. I appreciate your time today. 
When we think about cheatgrass control, uh, I think maybe we took the easy approaches. Yeah, you should have done something last fall, but for, for the guys that didn't or for the fields where it's breaking through this spring, what are some of the things that growers should be considering and, and strategies they should look at? Um, are we talking winter wheat still or spring wheat? You know what? Let's talk about both. Uh, so I guess my thing is, is I tell guys in winter wheat country, as if it is so bad that we can't get a handle on it, what you said earlier, rotating to spring wheat is probably one of your best options. If you've got a smattering of downy brome or cheat, um, you know, FMCs, we've got finesse um, herbicide, which is does a, a fair job on cheat if you don't have group two resistance, but we need a tank mix partner with it. So when I talk to growers about treating spring treatments, if they fail to do something in the fall or didn't have time to do it in the fall, you know, let's look at multiple modes of action in the spring. So when we look at Finesse as a group to, um, you know, adding metribuzin to it, an older chemistry really helps round out your control. Yeah, it gets to be a challenge. And I know for a lot of guys, like you mentioned, as long as you don't have group two resistance, and that's one of the things as we've had basically group one and group two for a long time, Man, we we don't we haven't had many options, so we've had to use what was what was on the table here for us. And and you mentioned just getting into a whole different class of chemistry might be something to help. What do you see as the big weed challenges? What are what are the ones that that you're hearing the most about? Um, you know, outside of the downy brome, you know, we're still fighting Italian rye. Um, Bentonot is moving into Montana, um, and and rat tail fescue are probably our biggest winter annual weeds. But when we get into grassy weeds in, the, in spring wheat specifically, you know, where you, you can still see downy brum come through your, your spring wheat, um, which makes, you know, if you're planting spring wheat, early planted stuff, Anthem Flex is still a viable option for your, for your spring wheat grassy weed control. Now, I know Anthem Flex works really well on Italian ryegrass. What have you seen on some of those other tough weeds? A phenomenal control out of all of those. Um, you know, they're, they're right in soil type, uh, dependent. And the advantage we've got in the PNW is right now we're allowed to go pre-plant, which for most of these winter annual grasses or even the spring annual grasses, you know, we need rainfall to incorporate. So the sooner you can get it out there ahead of that spring germination event, the better off you are. So, um, we're doing a great job on all of those grasses as well as the summer annual grasses. If we get a rain to incorporate. Yeah, I think that's been such a nice tool, having that Group 15 available, just uh, getting back to your earlier comment about just getting some different modes of action out there. The And the easy in has been the Italian ryegrass guys that it's been such a nice answer there that all of a sudden they notice, hey, I actually got a lot of help on some of the broadleaf weeds I had, and I got help on some of these other tough grasses too. So once you sell a guy Anthem Flex, I'm betting it's not too hard to get back on that farm next year. No, it's not, and that's one thing we see across all of it is, you know, with Anthem Flex and, and the higher rates we're running, especially in the Italian rye part of the world, or even the Downy Brome, it's taken out some of those broadleaf flushes in the of winter annuals and really making it an easier decision come that springtime broadleaf and grass herbicide decision. Hey, talk to us about rates, Kirk, because that's, that's another question that we get a lot, because for most guys that are using it, they haven't done that before. So what do you recommend for Anthem Flex rates? And then, uh, you know, what are most growers in your area paying for that product? What's it cost roughly an acre? Um, so we'll start with rates. And, you know, 
we're rate by soil type and organic matter, so that's, that's a bit of a loaded question, but I tell guys to use the highest labeled rate they can. If the highest labeled rate for medium soil is 3.65 ounces, go that rate. If they've got a finer soil with higher organic matter, we need to be at that four and a half ounce rate. I mean, the, the more active we can put out there, the more weeds we control and the better job we do. Um, you know, we talk about cost per acre. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the tech guy. I really honestly don't know what it costs. <laughs> I leave that that's, to the retail guys. That's okay, Kirk, and I know the rates but, vary too. So sometimes you talk but, about it and guys are like, what, you're doing four and a half ounces for that that price? Well, no, not four and a half ounces for that price. So I, I know what you mean. It, it's really going to vary but, depending where you're at. And, and I guess my experience has been with guys who have tried Anthem Flex, have used it, have used that top of the label rate, uh, control and yield return on investment because you're controlling the weeds has has taken away the cost decision it's you know like i said it can be a sticker shock but once guys get accustomed to using it and they see the profitability on the yield for lack of competition and moisture and fertilizer you know anthem flex becomes a go-to tool that they don't really question the cost per acre on all right, let me ask you about rotational concerns because when you start talking about a group 15, that's a new mode of action for quite a few guys in the area. So are there any crops they need to worry about or are there certain rates that you get to or soil pH levels that, that could create more concern? I think when we get to most of the uh, the wheat growing part of the world where you have pulses, canola, flax, you know, safflower in the rotation, you know, really the only big watch out I think is canola. Um, you know, and that's just a, uh, I think that's 24 months, um, off the top of my head. Don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, but, um, but yeah, so for most of our rotational wheat rotational crops, um, we got very, very good rotational, um, flexibility. Yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of things to look at, and we just encourage uh, all small grain producers, take a look at some of these newer options that you've got available. you got some great chemistries out there to try and fight some of these tough weeds. Uh, we are talking about cheatgrass today, but we also mentioned Italian rye and uh, Ventanata, rat tail fescue. There's just a number of different ones out there that are going to be a challenge. So certainly use all the options you got available to you to try to preserve our group ones and group twos as long as we can. I've been talking with Kirk Sager out in the Pacific Northwest with FMC. Kirk, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right. Thanks for your time. You bet. Yeah, there are just so many choices now compared to what we had a few years back. It, it's really good. And we mentioned Anthem Flex here, just getting that Group 15 in the into the mix uh, can give you some more control. But it's different. You know, so many... Uh, folks are used to, well, I'm going to spray herbicide and it's going to kill the weeds that are already up. And group 15 is like one of the actives that's in Anthem Flex. That's one of those products that it works through the soil and it needs to be taken in by the plant that way as it starts germinating. It's a shoot inhibitor, so we want to keep it real shallow in the top inch or so of soil at a high concentration so it can be absorbed into the plant. So it's not one that's going to burn things down, although you do have some aim in there to try to help with any burn down needs. But uh, in terms of grasses, it's got to be out there before those grasses are growing so you can get it in there and get them under control. We'll talk more about cheatgrass control and take more of your calls and questions coming up right after this.
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Listening to Ag PhD Radio Broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're talking about spring cheatgrass control on our show and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Brian, I wanted to say this too, and I, I don't think you mentioned this to start off, but uh, if I'm doubling up here, I do think it's a point worth mentioning. Oftentimes in the spring, I say cheatgrass control is maybe pushing it suppression is probably more realistic that a lot of these products that we end up using in the spring are more suppression type products if we want really good control we've got a number one start with a pre and i would recommend using something like anthem flex so we have that group 15 in there but then also 
post-emerge coming in with a good product that has some soil residual too. And the time to do it is often in the fall or very, very early spring. If, if we're at all late to the game, we're coming in at herbicide timing and trying to add something to, to try to also kill cheatgrass, it just seems like we burn it back. It's already tillered, and we just don't get great control. Right. The one really good thing about wheat, or one of the really good things about wheat in terms of weed control, is the crop canopy. The canopy's thick. You think about how many plants we're planting out there. So just as an example here, for corn, what do we seed? Let's call it 30,000 plants per acre on average. 30,000. Okay. With wheat, a lot of people are seeding a million, 1.5 million. Some people are even seeding 2 million plants per acre. So there's a lot more canopy there. The rows are more narrow. So that does help in terms of weed control. But you got to get ahead of it. And some of these these grasses are really tough. So with regular foxtail, it can take a fair amount of yield off your wheat crop and off all grass crops like corn, for example. We often will say that one wild oats plant is worth 10 foxtail plants. So in other words, the, the yield loss for every wild oat plant is just so much worse than for every foxtail plant. Well, cheatgrass can be even worse than wild oats, and it all depends on your situation and when it pops up and everything. But the point here that Darren is making is get ahead of it, and then you're in pretty good shape. So usually, like spring wheat, for example, we're talking about pre-emerge herbicides like Prepare, and and you know we talk Sharpen quite often too, but Sharpen's just a Broadleaf product. With Prepare, it's good. I like it. It's a it's a group two, so in other words, it's an ALS herbicide. It's the same active ingredient as Everest 3.0. It's just that Prepare doesn't have the the post-emerge crop safener, and Everest 3.0 does. Your only other real choice when we start talking about spring wheat is this Anthem Flex component or Zidua is the active ingredient. So you can either use straight Zidua or you can use Anthem Flex, which is Zidua plus AIM that costs even less money than straight Zidua. So that's those are two good options. And that the Zidua is a group 15, the Prepare again is an ALS, but both of those are only going to give you suppression. Post-emerge in spring wheat, we're usually talking about axial, discover, um, and the ACCAs family, but they're just not very good on cheatgrass or downy brome. Now, Everest 3.0 has some activity on cheatgrass, so we'll, we'll call it suppression post-emerge. But if you've used prepare pre-emerge, you go, wait a second, I used an ALS pre, now I'm going to use an ALS post? Or if you want to step up, step up your game, you rather than doing, let's say, Everest 3.0, you could use Outrider, which is the same as the old Maverick, not the new Maverick that's out there, but the old Maverick grass killer. There's Olympus, and then there's Powerflex. Now, Powerflex has the least amount of carryover compared to Outrider and Olympus. Uh, it's not quite as good as Outrider. I th- personally think it's just as good as Olympus, but PowerFlex, you can rotate to other crops much sooner, so that's why a lot of people like it. Now, I will say there's also Beyond, which is the same exact thing as Raptor. Now, Beyond, you can only use in clearfield wheat. So basically, I would say those are the best products, Outrider and PowerFlex, followed by Beyond, just for clearfield, 
and then Olympus. And then again, you also have suppression post-emerge with Everest 3.0. Now, what do all five of those herbicides have in common? They're all ALS herbicides. So that's where we kind of come back to, you know what, if you've got a real cheatgrass problem, and I know it's not going to solve the problem, but I'm probably going to tell you, you might want to just throw that Anthem Flex out there pre-emerge or very, very early post because now you've got a group 15. You've got a different mode of action rather than doubling up on ALS. So that's our, that's our advice. And again, best of all, if you can get a broadleaf sometime in that rotation, then you can use some other herbicides, other modes of action, and you're, you're going to be in a lot better shape. Even, well, like where we're at in the Midwest, cheatgrass isn't much of a problem because if you go any Roundup crop, Roundup's going to light it up. Yes, there's a lot of weed resistance with Roundup, but Roundup does an excellent job on cheatgrass if you keep the rate up. You can't use a tiny little rate like you can on foxtail species, but you keep the rate up and you're going to have excellent control. So I, I realize we've ran through a lot of things there. The number one thing I want you to keep in mind, well, I guess two things, two main things to keep in mind. One, the earlier the better. So if you can get it in the fall rather than the spring on cheatgrass, you're in better shape. And two, almost all the products for cheatgrass are ALS. So if you can get another mode of action in there somehow, some way, that's awesome. Keep in mind, too, with Olympus and even PowerFlex to some degree, and certainly with Outrider, you have to worry about crop rotation. So be careful what you're going to rotate to. And and I guess I'd even throw in beyond in Clearfield Wheat. A lot of people just use it and, oh boy, I'm going the full rate. No, this is fine. Well, what if you go to some crop where you could have rotational issues? Like let's say you're going to raise corn. I can't believe the amount of acres of corn that are going in this year in the state of North Dakota, for example. But people see the price and they go, wait a second here, I want to raise corn. Well, that's great, but what did you use in the past? Now, with Beyond and several, well, okay, so most of these ALS herbicides have more residual and high pH soils. Beyond is different. Beyond and Pursuit have carry over more, more, they're more active in low pH soils. So if I had a 5.5 pH, and I realize in North Dakota, you don't have a lot of that issue. Montana, you don't have a lot of that. But let's say you did have a little bit of low pH. That's where I'm much more concerned about that carryover with Beyond. So part of the reason we talk so much about soil pH here on the show is you have better microbial life. That's awesome. You have better soil health and you have less carryover if you can kind of neutralize your pH. If your pH is in the sixes, maybe just the low sevens, you have more activity out of more species of bacteria and fungi, and that's great for breakdown of these herbicides so you don't have to worry so much about carryover. And like I said already, it's much better for soil health. So that's what we want. We want air in the soil. We want microbes living. We want breakdown as fast as possible on some of these long residual herbicides. So yeah, I'd like to have residual through my growing season, but I don't want so much residual that I damage my next crop. 
Darren, you got anything else to add on cheatgrass or downy berm? Uh, I don't, but I got one more question that had come in on another herbicide. This one comes from Brad. He said, uh, you talk about Prowl H2O. What's the difference with the H2O versus the old pendimethalin formulation? It's just a water-based, so that's why it's H2O, water-based. And cleaning up your tank, staining, um, even we've uh, had a little bit spill on our cement and the old formulation and boy that it just stained it yellow for a long time i'm like guys i think we're gonna have to get a sandblaster because i i hate the look of that yellow do do you know when they were originally developing trifluralin and granted this is over half a century ago it was as a clothing dye and then they realized yeah it's not our best clothing dye I'm going, I can't believe it wasn't your best clothing dye. But anyway, then for the researchers, they turned it over to their ag people and they used some on the soil and they found, wow, this is a really good herbicide. So anyway, that's why we call these products the yellows, trifluralin, sonalin, and like you mentioned here, prowl. But the prowl H2O at least doesn't stain quite as much. Well, stay tuned. We'll get back to your questions right after this. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a -a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct NextGen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. It's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct NextGen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. 
low-use rate Authority Supreme herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. And you can always send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's jump back to the phone lines here. We got John over in Minnesota with us who wants to talk canola. John, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? Well, pretty good. I think I think you're working on stumping us, though. So this is going to be a fun question to to kind of dig into. What what you working on, John? Well, I'm got a guy up in North Dakota that's trying to talk me into growing some canola for him because their um their outlet is over in Red Wing, and well, I'm about an hour and a half from Red Wing instead of hauling everything out of North Dakota. Sure. And um, he's. He's um, kind of got my attention now, but I just kind of want to know what I'm up against if it will grow in the southern part of the state. Because canola is more of a northern state. Well, it depends yeah. on the varieties, of course, that you're using because they, they raise a lot of canola down in Oklahoma, too. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm not... Yeah, I'm not super worried about your area in terms of being able to raise a decent canola crop. It's just that in your area, most people say, I can make more money with corn and soybeans. I'm used to that. It's easy. I have many options for marketing, and it's a lot simpler for weed control as well. So one of the things we've talked about here in the show for the last quite a few months now is the shortage of Liberty herbicide. Well, Liberty is essential in a lot of canola programs. There's Liberty Link Canola, but the problem is for a lot of guys, all you can put down pre-emerge is trifluralin. That's all you got. And then post-emerge, you have the choice of either going Roundup on Roundup Ready Canola, Liberty and Liberty Link Canola, or Beyond on Clearfield Canola, and that's pretty much it. So my point here is if you have, let's say, water hemp, which is common in your area, and you want to get that under control, well, we know Beyond isn't going to do it. We know Roundup isn't going to do it, which leaves you only Liberty Link Canola, and now you got to get a hold of some Liberty, which costs 35 to $40 an acre for the full rate this year. So that's probably the number one issue that I got. And number two, like I say, it's just the financial aspect of it. Are you going to be able to turn out good enough on that with a crop you've never raised in a year where you have a chance, hopefully, to make really good money on corn or soybeans? So, I mean, if it's me and I had that offer and it was some friend of mine and he's trying to talk me into doing something, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd probably raise a little bit. And I'd say, all right, this is going to be my experiment. I'll try it out on a few acres, but I'm not going crazy because I can, I can make decent money with the other crops that I'm familiar with this year. So anyway, that's just right. that, that, those, those are my general thoughts. Do you have any specific questions for us? Um, what does it take for fertilizer use? Okay, so 
We have an app. It's called the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. And I don't yep. know what kind of target you're you're after for, for anything here on yield, but I, I just say you can pull up that Ag PhD fertilizer well, removal what, app. What are you and, shooting? What are you shooting yeah, for, go ahead. John? Did he kind of give you an idea of hey you'd need to get this many or this much yield in order to make money? I guess the eighty bushel an acre is kind of what my thoughts are. Okay, so anyway, in the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app, you can just punch that in, and it will tell you what it would take. And you can also do this with for, do this for corn and soybeans, and and then you're in pretty good shape. So yeah, yep, I use it for for alfalfa and that. So yeah, yeah, great. So yeah, it's going to require some fertility, and it all depends on what kind of shape you're in. So like in our farm, for example, we've got a lot of our fields loaded up. Well, I'm thankful this year that I don't have to spend a bunch of money in fertilizer. Now, on the other hand, if we got some new ground that uh, has very little fertility, boy, I mean, well, I don't care what crop you're raising. Fertilizer is expensive, and any of these crops that are going to require some nitrogen use, then it's... uh, A lot of people are, I'd say, pulling back because they go, boy, I don't know if I want to raise corn. I think I'll raise soybeans this year because now I can spend a lot less on fertilizer. I don't have to put all that nitrogen out, and I get that. But the flip side is we do have really good commodity prices for a lot of these crops where nitrogen use is required. So anyway, you just have to run the pencil and and kind of see how that shakes out. Correct. So, but yeah, Sounds l- good. Yep, Thanks. Yep, let us know if you got any other questions on that, and good luck out there, John. I will. Thanks. Thanks again. All right, Brian. Uh, next question. This came in uh, from Caleb over in Georgia. He said, he, I split a soil sample. I sent it to a couple different labs and saw significantly different results on some of the nutrients uh, when I sent some to Neil Kinsey. Just kind of curious what you guys have seen when you've done a similar thing and what you would, which recommendation you would run with here. Oh, okay. So at our soils clinics, we commonly do this where we'll, we will show you samples from our farm or other people's farms that we have split and then sent to multiple different labs. So I would say you always have to look at the conversions first. For example, Neil Kinsey reports things in pounds per acre. And then like with phosphorus, for example, he doesn't report phosphorus. He reports phosphate. So if you're going to go pounds per acre, well, then that's going to be double the parts per million number. And if you're going to go phosphate instead of phosphorus, that's going to be 2.3 times the phosphorus number to get to phosphate. So once you make those conversions, a lot of times what we find is the numbers are actually fairly similar, but it, it just requires a little bit of legwork to, to get that done. So anyway, um, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll look this over and look these three over a little bit more. Uh, let's go to the phone lines first, and then we can come back to this right after a break. All right, let's uh, jump over. We got Jeff on from Kansas right now with the question. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Well, we're doing pretty good. Uh, sounds like you got some weed control challenges and in, in some crops that don't have a lot of options, though. Unfortunately, what do you what are you facing? Well, we got a lot of pigweeds. We can never seem to get the milliliter sedan thick enough where it crowded out. I was wanting to put down some weed killer before I planted it. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. And 
you know, when I think about that, I love that you're thinking about crop canopy as well, because my first thought with almost any crop is how can I have it thick enough that it's going to shade out the weeds? Because that's a better option than herbicides. The problem is if you got pigweed that are already coming up before you get that canopy like you're talking about, that makes it a challenge. Because are you seeding that with a drill or are you broadcast seeding it? How are you seeding the, the millet or Sudan grass? We've been broadcasting it and then herring it in. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of times in grass crops, we talk about sharpen. So sharpen's labeled, for example, in pearl millet and proso millet as a pre-emerge. You can use it at a couple ounces per acre if you would like to. It costs around 10 bucks an acre and it'll be really good on water hemp and give you a residual for a month, maybe two months if you're lucky. Now, sedan grass, um, I, I don't, I, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't think that Sharpen is labeled in Sudan grass, and I don't know of many products that are. Uh, oh, in fact, it says, uh, yeah, on the Sharpen label, I was just double-checking to make sure my memory was right. Um, it says, do not apply Sharpen to stands of annual forage, uh, for example, forage sorghum or sedan grass. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go with millet then, so we're controlling pig weeds and water him. Yeah, and a lot of times guys will try to just shape their rotations as much as they can to put a crop in where they've got lots of options, like, for example, corn, and then hammer it in the corn and then come back with something else. But uh, that uh, the bad part about the pigweed, it produces so many seeds, and they can be viable in the, the ground for a few years that even if you're doing a pretty good job for one rotation it may take two or three rotations to to really do a good job okay yeah i live in southeast kansas and we got an inch and eight tenths last night wow all right did you need it are you guys have you guys been dry yeah we've been dry but we've had a couple little snows where we got like three tenths of moisture out of it and the wheat's really greening up and starting to grow and looks good awesome Awesome. Yeah, now now we get a little warm-up coming, hopefully in a week or so here, and, and things will really start to pop. Hey, Jeff, I never did ask you specifically, what kind of millet are we talking about? Is it pearl millet, proso, is it foxtail millet? What is it? it it's pearl millet. Okay, yeah, then you're in good shape. Yeah, because some of the millets are more sensitive like foxtail. All right, well, hey, uh, Jeff, good luck down there. Hopefully things work out for you. Okay, thank you. You bet. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine, storage, and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. 
Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest Premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer amaranth and water hemp. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open throughout the rest of the show here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Now, before the break, uh, we had gotten some soil samples in from Caleb over in Georgia. Just same sample, split and run in different labs, and saw some different results, especially with micronutrients, uh, especially from Neil Kinsey's lab. So we just kind of curious, what did you think of that, and is that the recommendation that you would run with? Okay, so I when I first glance at these three soil tests, they actually all look pretty similar to me. The, the thing to understand here, this is different soil than we're used to working with in the Midwestern United States. This is soil we commonly see in your area, five to six cation exchange capacity. So if it was a farmer from South Dakota, he'd look at that and go, well, that's pure sand. So <laughs> it's going to throw off some of our numbers because your soil can't hold much. Any soil can hold phosphorus, though, and your phosphorus levels are decent. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like on Neil Kinsey's test here, it says excessive phosphorus and potassium. Um, it's only 60 P1 phosphorus and 80 or 90 P2 phosphorus. So to me, that's not excessive. To me, on my farm, that's barely sufficient. But it all depends on what you're going for a yield goal. Uh, anyway, on the base saturation numbers, too, they can get skewed easily. What I mean here is, for example, you've got 8.2% base saturation K on one test where we'd say, well, that's high. It is today, but it's only 159 parts per million of K. And so when Neil Kinsey figured it, he said 423. So that's uh, okay. So when we talk potassium, um, 
there's potassium and there's K2O potassium. Now, both on Neil's test and on this Midwest Labs test, it's reading just potassium. Uh, as Oh, and so anyway, I would say there's another test here, this Waters Labs test. That one came up lower, came up the lowest. That one only said we had 222 pounds of Midwest Labs test. If I convert it over from parts per million to pounds per acre, that one is saying about 320. And then Kinsey, let's see, what did he say here? 423. So Kinsey's number was the highest. But anyway, nevertheless, the point here is just when you when you talk... 8.2% K, that sounds high, but you only have 159 parts per million, and on the other sample is 136. In that light soil, I can almost guarantee you, oh, and it says pivot on here. If I've got pivot irrigation, so I got natural rain and pivot irrigation and that light of soil, potassium is going to be leachable. So mid-season, I'm putting potassium on at least most of my crops. Some of the leachables, like boron, for example, it's low in all three tests, which is certainly understandable. Same thing with sulfur. We're going to have to continue to add nitrogen, sulfur, boron. They're leachable in any soil, but especially in that light soil with lots of rainfall. And then, like I said, potassium, you'll probably need to add it mid-season, even though today it's in pretty good shape. All right. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that. I uh, got this one in from, from Brad who said, I've been reading about gibberellic acid that it could potentially help make seeds sprout faster. Now, if applied to the soil in the fall after a harvest, could it make weed seeds like water hemp, for example, sprout and thus subsequently winter kill, effectively depleting the seed bank? If not gibberellic acid, is there any kind of chemical plant growth hormone, etc.? that could cause weed seeds to sprout in the fall to try to lessen the pressure next year? Not that I know of, and gibberellic acid doesn't help that much. Gibberellic acid, more than anything, helps elongate the stem. So it's not like it helps it emerge, I should say, germinate faster. So the only thing that'll really help something germinate faster that I know of is there are certain plant, plant growth hormones that maybe could make a tiny difference, but we talk about some of these biologicals, uh, uh, so beneficial bacteria and fungi, but even there, I, I don't know. Heat is number one. Yeah, you heat need heat and, and water. Right. So I, I, if you can't solve that problem, I don't know what to do. I will say tillage is one of the things. There are certain weed seeds that if they see the light of day for even a brief second, then that helps speed along the germination process. So that's where there have been studies done in the past showing that if you do your tillage at night, there are fewer weeds that germinate than if you do your tillage during the day. So if you want to get the weed seed started, then I would do my tillage during the day and that'll probably help you a little bit. But yeah, tillage will help. Heat, moisture, sunlight. Uh, beyond that, I don't know of anything that's going to be going to be great. And here's the other thing. There are so many weed seeds in the ground. It's unbelievable in a lot of cases. So we think, oh, we got a, we got a good stand of weeds coming. We're going to kill them all. And now we're done. We've done that on our farm for years and years and years and years and years. Tried to never let anything go to seed, yet we still have all kinds of weeds. So I don't know where they come from other than to say they must have been in the soil before because we sure have a lot of them and can't ever seem to get rid of them. 
All right. Thank you for the question and, and just for the idea, too, of, huh, has anybody tried this? Is there anything going on? Because sometimes we see this in other crops and maybe not used in row crops, for example. But uh, but that's a, a neat question. Got this one from Greg over in Illinois, and he said, I got a soil fertility question for you on trees, and I want to try and tap into your knowledge of soils and fertility to know if I'm wasting my time in doing this. I've got an area that has high pH, borderline calcareous soils, high organic matter, 4 to 5%, and high CECs, 35 in Illinois. He said, I've been surface applying a liquid chelated iron with micros through a hose end applicator in an early spring application before anything's broken dormancy, uh, extending to just beyond the drip line watered in thoroughly. What I'd like to know is, are the nutrients being absorbed by the turf grass roots before they have a chance to get down into the root zone of the trees? I typically time my application right before a rain event. Okay, but think about this. What's happening with the turf grass? I'm guessing it's getting mowed, and then the residue is staying out there, right? If so, then those nutrients are staying out there. So I'm not that worried about it. Even if it does get sucked up by the turf grass, you're going to have more going back in. But is some going to get sucked up by it? Of course it is. And this is one of the reasons why when you're starting a new shelter belt, we will often say, hey, keep that ground completely black. Kill everything in between. Use the, the whatever you call it, the tarp thing that they'll throw over the row. So only right where the tree is, that's the only thing growing. So that keeps weeds down. I, I, I mean, it's, it's not easy getting a shelter belt started. I'd also say, if, if you think about it for a second, tree roots can go really deep with turf grass roots, sure, they can to some degree go really deep, but not nearly as much as the trees. So if possible, before you ever put shelter belts in, you want to put some fertility down deep in the ground. Let's call it 12, 18 inches deep in the ground as opposed to one or two inches deep in the ground. I'm not saying you have to, but if you do, the trees eventually are most likely going to thank you for it by having bigger, basically more growth each year in terms of girth and height. So what, is there any other question other than no, stuff just, getting tied up? That was just the first one anyway. Oh. The, the, first? That was the only question oh, okay. at okay. this point. Gotcha. The other big thing we talk about a lot with trees is potassium. So think about how important the stock is on a wheat plant, a corn plant, a soybean plant. Well, now think about the tree. It's everything for that tree. And potassium is the number one nutrient for stocks. So that's why we want really, really, really high levels of potassium. Um, so 8% base saturation K, lots of pounds per acre, and then we feel like we're going to be in pretty good shape. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I get this one. Julian in New York says, I'm in upstate New York buying a lot of fertilizer out of Canada, but after talking to a Canadian agronomist, they think that I need to use for my dry corn starter placed in a two by two calcium ammonium nitrate and not use urea. They are worried about burning root hairs. On the other hand, my agronomist in the United States doesn't think I should be concerned about using urea because it's so much cheaper per unit of N. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you have a big opinion on this? But if we're in a two-by-two, two, we usually don't have a whole lot of problem unless we're in super oh, light you soils. You could. That's part of the reason why some guys have gone two-by-two two on each side of the row. So that would be one way to handle it. But then, of course, you got more equipment costs there, too, and more handling. 
so I, here, here's the other thing. Darren and I disagree from time to time. We always say, hey, let's prove it in the field. So what I do is I do some tests on your own and see, hey, does this pro- is this product better than the other? And let us know what you find out. Hey, thanks for the question, Julian. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.